That's fun. All right. Thank you. <clears throat> uh, you all remember Pastor Tom Hawk? Yes. All right. So I'm going to tell you a story about Pastor Tom Hawk. Um, I posed this question to a much younger, thinner pastor. Pastor Tom Hawk looked at this uh, young man and said, uh, over a dozen years ago, um, and said, what's your church about? You know, and this young pastor looked at Tom Hawk and looked a little puzzled and quickly mumbled some theological terms uh, that only were known exclusively to John Wesley scholars, um, such as, you know, Chuck Jorgen and Thomas Oden. You know, and again, to be more well-rounded and sound really smart, you know, he talked about the efficacy of the spirit in the context of community. And Pastor Tom Hogg very lovingly and kindly was not buying anything that was being shared. And Pastor Tom Hogg responded to this pastor and said, Johnson, really, what is your church about? I read Moltmann of the efficacy of the spirit. And yes, I'm teaching a course to the local pastors. And yes, I'm teaching them the means of grace using Chuck Jorgen's textbook. I know all that stuff, but what is your church about? What is your church about? Seriously, Johnson, what is your church about? This question has haunted me, uh, baffled me, and made me think about what is this church about? As I served several different congregations over, over a dozen years now, what is your church about? Large churches that were small in size, mid-sized churches, had the unique opportunity of serving suburban and inner city churches, churches that had very few resources, and a church like Mount Hope that has plenty of resources. This question has always kind of been on my forefront. What is your church about? So this morning, I want to pose the same question to you. What is your church about? What is Mount Hope about? What is it that we are chasing? More importantly, friends, the question that I'd like us to kind of ponder on and think about is, what does God want us to chase this year and in the year to come? We started a very similar conversation a few years ago. Uh, we started reading as a, a congregation during Lent, uh, five fruitful practices of a congregation, trying to lay the groundwork of what Mount Hope was all about. We were trying to define and create a sense of identity for our church so that everyone who walks through the doors can say, oh, this is what Mount Hope is about. We were trying to answer Pastor Tom Hawk's question. This is what our church is about. And during that season, I was so excited of the groundwork we were doing and how things were coming together. We had over 100 people in, in different small groups kind of pondering that same question. What is our church about? And as we were in that season of hope, the pandemic hit. And just like every other industry, we were trying to figure out what was up as a church and what is down. We quickly tried to figure out how to live stream services because no one was here in this building. We had to figure out how to continue to do our small groups in Sunday schools. How do we do children's ministry and youth ministry? How do we continue to figure out how we're going to serve our guests through the Bread of Life ministries? How do we 
care for them, all while the world around us was shutting down. And there was such high anxiety about the unknown of the world that we were entering. Mount Hope did good. I want to thank you for your faithfulness during that crazy season. Thank you for being committed to online worship. Thank you to Jen Vickers who taught our kids via Zoom. Oh, bless our heart. It was tough. Thankfully, I was never there to witness it, but she did an amazing job. <laughs> Thank you to Kristen Dodla, Matt Kelly, and Nicole Cox, who showed up for our teens and continued to care for them during that season. Thank you to Donna Kelly and the praise band, who showed up faithfully, and we're here. To Sharon Cope and Dan Brown, for showing up week after week to help do our worship services. But I believe we are entering a different season. The fog of the pandemic is we're coming out of it. And in some ways, it's behind us. And what I believe God is storing in my heart for our church is a question that was posed to me several years ago. What is Mount Hope about? And even as I ask that question, what is Mount Hope about? I don't want us to run down memory lane and think about reliving the glory days. Remember when we used to do that. I don't want us to think about programming necessarily and say, this is what we need to do. I think we should redo that. The question is a whole lot more bigger. The question is beyond programs for children and youth and adults and older adults. Rather, the question is about identity. What is our corporate identity? What do we say to others Mount Hope is about? Friends, this morning, uh, for the next three weeks, I want to invite you into a conversation uh, as we look at what our church identity is going to be. Today, I want to talk about what is church? Why church? What is our identity as a church rooted in scripture? Next week, we're going to be talking about small groups. And finally, we're going to end our time before Lent uh, talking about service. I want us to lay a biblical foundation as our identity, as we create our identity as a community of faith. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at different scripture to kind of ponder how we can live into some of those biblical texts. I want to invite you to be part of another Lenten study that we are going to be doing as a church to talk about our corporate identity, what Mount Hope is, so that we can have some specific goals that we can set and chase after, run after, knowing that this is how we are called to serve God. So I want you to be part of that process. I want you to be part of that ministry as we go into Lent. And more importantly, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for this church so that we can be what God is calling us to be. Will you pray with me? God, we ask that you would open our eyes to your word. God, that we would listen to that quiet, whispers regarding the futures of our church. And God, that we ask that you would reveal them to us, that you would speak to us. God, speak to us through your word this day. 
In your name we pray. Amen. This morning, I want us to be grounded in Scripture when we talk about our identity as a church. What is church all about? Ephesians uh, 4, 1 through 7 kind of gives us the foundation what church is called to be. Here, Paul is calling the church the body of Christ, and he's giving us certain identity. The first one that he does is, uh, verse 1, we read, Therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Here, Paul is identifying himself as a prisoner of Christ. While Paul was writing this letter to the church in Ephesians, he himself is in a Roman prison. He understands what imprisonment looks like. Paul is imprisoned for believing in Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel. His freedoms are taken away from him. He's under lockdown. He's not permitted to go freely where he wants to go and do what he wants to do. He has to follow the orders of the Roman gods. And Paul here identifies himself as a prisoner of the Lord. He wants to know that he does what God is calling him to do. Doesn't do whatever he wants to do, but rather he is doing what Christ is calling him to do. And then he goes on to tell us how we need to walk. He goes on to say that walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. Walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling which you have been called. Here Paul is simply asking the church to live a holy life. Paul is asking every individual to walk like Jesus. And Jesus walked on the earth. You and I are called to embody the values that are set in the scriptures. This is something we're called to do over and over again in the Bible. God in the Bible is described as one who is holy. There is nothing impure or unclean that belongs to God's character. Our God is holy and we are called to be holy. God is calling each one of us to be holy. Friends, this is the key to Christian life. We need to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling that we have received. Our actions, our walk, our talk needs to reflect the God we follow. We are called to be holy. This needs to be central to our Christian identity. Sometimes uh, we as Christians, are, uh, we tend to compare our actions to those around us. Sometimes it's part of human nature. Uh, we all are guilty of doing that. We kind of think about what we're doing and we say, I'm not bad as that other individual, right? I'm, I'm okay, I'm doing good, right? We kind of give an excuse for our behavior. And when you tend to do that, I want to share an illustration that my friend Susan uh, shared with me many years ago. She said, uh, when you're on the turnpike, you know, almost everybody is going about the speed limit. Amen? Right? Come on. All right. Okay. When you're on the turnpike, and you, we, we tend to do this. I don't know if you've ever observed this. We try to, try to go in a pack. If you're going 10 miles over, you find all the people 10 miles over. 
And then when you're going 25 miles over, you find all the people and you kind of go right behind them. You know, you kind of like play a little bit of a game because, and your excuses, right? Like when you're doing that, all while you're thinking, at least I'm not the only one who's doing this. There's somebody else next to me. So if I get pulled over, right? And when you do get pulled over by the straight trooper, you are the guilty one. It doesn't matter what the other guy is doing. It doesn't matter how fast the other person is going. You are the guilty one. And here Paul is asking us to be holy. Period. The way we walk, the way we talk, the way we live our lives needs to be holy. We need to be grounded in this truth. We are called to be holy. Another thing uh, that when we do, suppose uh, from now on you go out and say, Pastor Johnson told me not to speed on the turnpike, so I'm going to go exactly the speed limit, right? And you're going exactly the speed limit. Everybody's passing you. And sometimes you might tend to think, oh, look at those sinners just passing by, breaking the law. And we not tend to do that either. Because Paul puts another caveat to this. He, Paul says that we need to live a holy life. We are called to live a holy life. But we are called to do this with all humility, gentleness, and patience. These qualities are essential for Christian life. When we see Jesus' life, he is the prime example of humility. When we see his life, he was a humble man. Words like servant leader are used to describe him. That's who Jesus was. Jesus was never insisting on his own way, but rather had this ability to embrace those who were around him. Jesus was humble. Friends, that is something that we need to embody as Christians. We are called to be humble. And one of the ways we can say this, we can show our humility, is not constantly have the last word. By saying a phrase like, I might be wrong in this. I'm not seeing it from your perspective. We're called to be humble in the context of community. We're called to be humble. We're called to be patient with one another. We're called to be gentle with each other in our community. And then there's another important aspect that Paul talks about here as it relates to our community of faith, as we seek to develop this identity for us. We are called to care for each other. We read, bear one another's burden in love. We're called to bear each other's burdens in love. I love that old song, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love, they will know that we are Christians. Friends, how does that love look in the context of community? It looks like bearing one another in Christian love. It looks like making a phone call when, some, when you know someone is hurting or having a difficult time. It means we are constantly looking to encourage each other and lift each other up in our community. It looks like writing a, a note to someone whose name you saw in the bulletin in need of prayers. 
Friends, life is too difficult to do it alone. We need our church, family, a family that cares for each other. There's a lot of pain and anxiety in our lives. And many times we just come to church, we sit in our pews, we say our prayers. We hear the scriptures read, hear a sermon, and we leave with the same pain and anxiety that we walk through these doors. Friends, we as a church are called to bear one another's burdens. God is inviting each one of us to be in community where we can cry together and laugh together. The only way we can do this is by building trust. By meeting one another outside of Sunday worship and Bible studies and community events and serving together. Friends, let's be intentional in being a community that cares for each other. For when we sp spend time together, that's when we begin to hear our stories and our circumstances. That's when we begin to become a community that starts to bear one another's burden and cares for one another. And finally, Paul talks about in verse 3, <clears throat> a corporate identity. This is how it looks like. Verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is only one spirit, just as you are called to be one hope that belongs to your call. The one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You've said it said over and over again, church needs to be countercultural. The church needs to be different from how the culture acts and behaves. The church needs to be different we can't be doing the same things in the church as the things that are happening outside. Friends, there is one way we can be countercultural. is by maintaining unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. See, Paul is calling the church to be united together. See, the church of Ephesians was filled with people who were Jews and Gentiles. Paul earlier uh, talks about, discusses about how the Gentiles are part of God's plan and they're part of the church. The church of Ephesians was filled with all sorts of people they were, who were Jews, Gentiles, Greeks, Romans, women, children, men. Everybody was there. Everybody had a different background. They spoke different languages. And here Paul is asking them, maintain the unity of the spirit. Paul is urging the church to be united. Unity is not uniformity. Uniformity means that we all think alike. We all wear the same clothes. We all talk alike. That is uniformity. But unity is something bigger. Unity is something bigger where we have our differences and we yet come together to worship God, Christ in our community. Our, our culture is constantly seeking to divide. We're constantly asked to take a stand. You're either for this or you're 
against this. Our culture always is calling us to create an us and them feeling. This divisiveness is fracturing our communal life. Friends, as a church, we need to be uh, united together. As a community of believers, we are called to live in unity. And you might be asking, Pastor, how do we do that? And the best way I know how to bring unity to a church is by inviting you to come to this table. We come to this table knowing that we are all sinners. Knowing that each one of us has sinned and is in need of God's grace. We come to this table knowing that Jesus is the host. Knowing that Jesus is the one who is there for us and he is our Lord. We come to this table knowing that God dispenses his grace to us. Through the breaking of bread and taking of the cup. And this is a holy mystery. Friends, this morning, I want us to come, despite all our differences, to this table. So that we can spread God's love to the world that is so divided and broken. So friends, even as we think about our own corporate identity, I want us to kind of focus on these three things as we explore how we need to live out these themes. God is calling us to be holy. God is calling each one of us to be holy, that we seek holiness. And yet we do it with gentleness and humility. We're called to bear one another's burdens in the context of community, where we care for each other, cry together, and laugh together. And finally, we as a church are committed to unity. Let's pray. God, we come before your presence with thanksgiving and we ask that you would speak and be with us as we live out the call you are placing on our hearts. God, may we be a church that seeks your holiness, gentleness and humility. God, we ask that you would build trust within us so that we can carry each other's burdens. God, we ask that you would keep us united despite all the differences and all the ways we see the world differently, that we would still be united in you. We ask these things in your name. Amen.